The Welsh Wire, where talent and business connect in West Michigan. The Welsh Wire features moderator Mike Rogers and professional recruiting expert Sherry Welsh in this weekly podcast. Listen in as leaders from a wide array of small to mid-sized West Michigan companies weigh in and share their experiences and insights on a variety of business topics, including employee retention challenges and recruitment success stories. The quality of your company culture can be a crucial part of your employee retention and attraction strategy. This week on The Welsh Wire, Sherry Welsh presents excerpts of conversations with four of her recent guests. To get their insights on company culture and how they communicate organizational values to current and prospective employees. Up first, Sherry talks with Tom Amy, leadership coach and principal for Acorn Leadership. They're getting better leaders, and I'm guessing those better family leaders are having better interactions, leading to better productivity, leading to better employee retention, better culture, happier workplace. I mean, just because. You, you can't just develop the family right. and the family dynamics right. around leadership it's and not have an impact. Right. Yeah. The whole system, the whole organization benefits greatly from that. Well, I like to say that um, as much as we talk about individual identity development, organizational culture is organizational identity. True. And so if you want to develop your organizational culture, then you work on these identity pieces. And there's, I could cure insomnia with the, you know, employee engagement literature that talks <laughs> about all the great in, in outcomes that you get when employees are engaged. They're, yeah. They work harder. They work, they stay with you. They're less likely to be injured. Uh, they're less likely to be critically, un, unnecessarily critical. They're more likely to take risks and say what's going on. And employees that, who are engaged are often in really strong, positive, vibrant cultures. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and what you do helps to definitely create that. And, and I, I'm imagining that it allows for some conversations that once perfected and practiced with the family leaders amongst themselves now start to be some of those crucial conversations, those heartfelt, real conversations with others in the organization that lead to honesty, transparency, right. and really moving some issues forward Right. that people struggle with. Yes, I agree. On a daily basis. You're right. And so it, cool. it becomes infectious. It yeah. becomes modeling a value, right? right? So identity leads to values. Yep. And so now you're you're modeling values of candor and yeah. openness and listening and respect. Which everyone wants. Absolutely. Everyone wants to work at a place like that. Absolutely. Now when we get to skills like communication, mm-hmm. that's a skill, right? Right. Well, if you have someone who's squared away some of the identity stuff like we've talked and they've agreed that values of candor, openness, respect, autonomy, collaboration are core to them, well, communication begins to look pretty wonderful. Oh, yeah. And it's darn easy. Right. And <laughs> it if you, really becomes easy when you get all the rest of that right. It does. And if you create a place where those kinds of communication values in, are in your organization, then you're going to be able to see problems coming up early, early, because people aren't going to be able to be afraid to talk about them right. for fear of reprisal. Yep. Uh, so, you know, you asked a while ago, is there a difference? And I think if you don't understand what's driving your practice of your skills, then you're going to keep tripping over things you can't see. That's really the core. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. understanding your identity. And so there's a really simple process I do when we develop leaders. I ask questions like, so when did you first begin to understand there was this thing called leadership? Look back in your history. And when did you understand 
that that leadership or that leading was something you could participate in. And who was around you at the time? Who who told you that? Right. Right. And so people, uh, and I do this with um, the next gen when there's groups. I love to have them share those stories. And they talk about significant people's people in their lives, mm-hmm. parents, cousins, grandparents, pastors, teachers, sure. uh, community leaders. People that have spoken in their lives exactly. for years and right. years. Yes. And once they get that and realize that I got here and I understand what leadership is because people speaking into my life, they're more willing to do it in others' lives because they see the generative productivity of it. Isn't that, that tremendous? Yeah, it, it's really – it's you, such good work. I'm so lucky to be able to do You it. really are, I'll tell you. And you've done so much of this work over the years, Tom. So you've given us some great examples of family businesses that you've helped. But is there one that really stands out in your mind like this was a this was a tough one and, um, and we got a win here and I just – I felt so good about that work. Is there an example like that you want to share? Oh, that's a great question. One comes to mind, and I, you know, I want to be careful because in my examples, I want to maintain the confidentiality of clients. For and so sure. far, they've been very general. Um, but there, there is one in that I'll have to stay general, right? Yeah, but, for but the sure. themes are there is, is that there was a family business that I started with focusing on this continuity piece. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that family ran into some challenges that caused their role in the family business to shift. But because of the identity work we did, Mm-hmm. Some of the people who are no longer in the family business are standing stronger wherever they're serving because they understand who they are and why. So they're leading in healthy ways in other businesses. Great. And I remember a couple family meetings we had, some of which were called sort of 911 emergency family meetings at mom and dad's house. And we were able to help the conversation with each other change to become kinder and more patient and more respectful. And that has shown up in Thanksgiving and summers at the cottage. And so you've got this family that is better at being a family now. Yeah. And has sort of reconciliation amongst the inner, the generations, but even within each generation, some reconciliation. And I've tracked some of the people who are in the next gen. Uh, the others have retired and they're actually serving professionally because there's a business side to this. You've got to produce in business. It's just yep. isn't about feeling good. Yep. And they're producing in a variety of organizations in ways that are successful and empowered. Uh, they're nailing their job. They're meeting and exceeding their goals. And most of all, because of the identity work, they're able to understand that they had far more potential than they first realized. Tremendous. Yeah. You got to feel good about that. Oh, it's wonderful work. I'm so excited to do it. Next, Sherry talks with Stacey Hamlin, president and CEO of CTS Telecom. How does that history, let me ask you this, how does the history of the company and your industry niche, how does that affect your culture and who you are as a team? Because you do have a really unique culture at CTS. We do. We we have an amazing um, staff. They're so engaged. They're so committed. We have a Mm -hmm. mantra that we we answer the call is our mantra. I love that. And it's a dual meaning. It's not just the fact that when you call CTS that you're going to, we we do our best to get a live person on that that line that you're not caught into some, you know, tree of pressing to or whatever. You're going to get a person 95% or more of the time when someone calls our office, but it's also our calling. It's our calling to, to serve our customers. Yeah. And our, it's just amazing to see how engaged and committed the people are. They just, it's, it's amazing. And I think that family orientation also. Yeah. 
everybody there is, it's like a big family. So yeah. it's family operated and run. Um, but it's also all the employees are kind of part of the family too. Right. They feel that. Yes. And so they behave that they way. They're, they're caretakers of the business yep. really, really they try and like work hard to serve there. Isn't that you know? great? Yeah. And that's just been a call. And that it was that way when you took it over, I assume yeah, from it, your, t- it, it, yeah. It, you know, even when my parents were running it, I, you know, when I talked to some past employees that worked mm-hmm. with my parents for years, you know, they just always appreciated working for that family and, and that they just felt like they could be a part of something. Right. And that's really carried through for, since I've been there too, you know, even, I think even stronger today than ever. Yeah, that that is so great. That makes such a difference. So when you hire and you look yeah. for talent, you look for people that just live and breathe your level of customer service and Absolutely. care. Absolutely. And I think we look for a CTS person. Not not necessarily the skill set that a person has, but yeah. are they going to be a CTS person? Yeah. So it's culture first. Absolutely. Really, for 100%. you. 100%. And I would imagine that when you're hiring for that and then training and developing along the way, that leads to turnover that's pretty low. It, it is. I mean, yeah. All the turnover that we're having right now is retirements. Oh, <laughs> and they've all like there, so and many they've other companies. 20 years. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like so many other companies, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of boomers, but oh, yeah. that, but what it really, what a great problem to have. It, it really is. It, it really is. And it's, it's neat to see, um, with our business, it's with a technology focus and, and how the different, you know, evolutions of, of things, how they yeah. change. And so the, the group of people that are starting to retire that been there for 20 years were there in the beginning when we became an internet service provider. And a lot of that equipment during that time is now all getting taken out of the network as new stuff's being deployed with new people. So it's kind of an interesting process. I bet it is really challenging. But I, you know, with the dedication that everyone has to the company and to their jobs, I bet those as they're exiting and leaving and transitioning are being a real big help and doing the handoff and and supporting right to the very end too. Yeah. Wow. What an exciting situation you're going through. Exciting times for you. Now Sherry gets insights from Wade Wyant, Executive Advisor and Scaling Up Coach at Red Wagon Advisors. So if you really want to have successful goals set for the organization and achieve them, it's good to get the input, not just the input, but then the buy-in, yeah, buy-in absolutely. of everyone who feels like they're a part of forming that goal. And I bet that's somewhat challenging in a family business too. Yeah, I, I, I mean, absolutely. It's it's a challenge in every business, but in family businesses, there there is a separation because in the very word family, right? You have a some separation there. So, right. I love your points. There, you get buy in, get input. All it's important, and I think this is where most people have struggled because they they want the input, but they also want the ability to make the decision. And I think you can have both. I really do think this is one of the few places in business you can have your cake and eat it too, where if you create the right system for goal setting, the right system for discovery, then you can have it. One of the examples that I use or one of the systems that we use is we'll often take the leadership team or maybe the management team below the leadership team. And before you go into an annual goal setting meeting, say, well, let's take do an offsite with just the management team, have them go through a SWOT analysis and really understand what they're seeing in the business. Mm -hmm. Then you take that information, spend maybe a little time with them, then go into your annual planning and then set the leadership team on the annual planning and then set the goals of the business based on that input from the management team. And so depending on how big the family business is or how many people are involved, you know, there's some, there's some ways to do it where everybody can feel involved, but then you can still have the ability to set that, set that goal. And it just, it's about being smart and, 
and and I think you were touching on it, but I'll just say it. It's it's about not setting a goal on high and pushing it down. Yeah. There's some of that. There's some some, you know, there's gotta be a leader. I believe in that. But there's got to be involvement from from all levels. Yeah, and sometimes it happens without even realizing it, you know, because families oh, yeah. getting together at Christmas on the oh, golf course yeah. after hours, and they're talking about things and just say, "Let's just go ahead and run with this," yeah. and failing to realize that sometimes there's a few of the people that you really need to get not only input from, but in addition buy in yeah. from at the final product. So yeah, it's a challenge. And your seventh yeah. idea, tell us that way. Final thing. At the end of the day, it's all about accountability. Yeah. And it's account the word accountability, just as you say it, as it rolls off the tongue, it almost has a negative connotation right. to it, right. right? It feels heavy. And it does. It is. But it, it shouldn't be because we're tr- we're talking about a positive thing. I mean, we're talking about accountability in the, in the, in the most positive way possible. Mm-hmm. And I think so. developing a system for accountability that everybody knows, and it's not, it's not a mystery, it's right. not a surprise. Right. Uh, there are, you know, I I come into family businesses and I come into, that's not the terminology I meant, but I, I work with family businesses. And when I do, I really stress that, look, you know, run your business on an annual plan, have quarterly get togethers, have a date set. So everybody knows there's no mystery. As you said, you right. don't want it to be on the golf course or at Christmas dinner or whatever. Right. Set a time for accountability that everybody knows. And then- as much as you can, stress pure accountability. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, there's always a place for top down accountability. 100% I mm-hmm. think that's, it's important and that it should be there. But the more you can build a culture and a system, that's what we're talking about systems yes. of pure accountability where peers are coming together, just like in a sporting team. You, you see us all the time and, and, and it happens. March Madness is happening right now. And that's, you know, that's, you can see that in basketball games where individuals in the, on the basketball court are going down the court saying, my bad, you know, I should have done better. And, and other ones are, they don't have to say a word. They just look at each other and there's a pure accountability. We have to have the same thing in business. And this is not just a challenge in family businesses it's across the board, but the more you can build a system for pure accountability and teach that and get that into your culture, the more success you'll have. Finally, Sherry Hears from Jennifer Swan, Senior Architectural Project Coordinator for Tower Pinkster. And you've got a pretty cool culture at Tower Pinkster. We do. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, you know, we we really do feel that in order for us to be successful, that every one of our employees really needs to be not only engaged in their work, but in their communities mm-hmm. and really just fostering pursuit of their personal passions um, one of the uh, important ingrained core values of our culture is that we actively support the communities in which we live, work, and play. Mm-hmm. And so as a company, we feel it really is our responsibility to our staff to expose them to what community opportunities exist out there, kind of what that looks like and feels like. And so anything from industry events to just um, supporting the local nonprofit organizations, we really just try to get our folks out there and really I- experience what it's all about. Right. A lot of companies talk about community engagement or community involvement, and it's kind of a buzzword, and it seems like, you know, the fun, cool thing to do these days as an organization, but you really live it and breathe it and you foster it in your employees in kind of a unique way, sort of as evidenced by this project that Jen spearheaded. So... um Jen, tell us about your idea because you had a you had a pretty cool idea that Tower Pinkster was excited to support. So, 
How did this all come to be? Yeah, um, well, Tower Pinkster is very food motivated. Our employees are. Um, <laughs> so it started there. <laughs> it started there. And, and, um, and I've been giving to communities and schools for probably five to six years now. Oh, and just personally just involved personally. with supporting. Okay, great. And whenever I would do that, I would um, always ask hey, I'm going out and I'm going to be doing a big purchase for communities and schools. Who else here wants to donate? And I'll go pick everything up, deliver it, do mm-hmm. all of that. Awesome. So, you know, you might get $50, $100 sure. from, from the employees t- to match it. And I'm like, well, how can I get more money from them? Yeah. Because um, you you were involved seeing the need firsthand. You yes. knew it was great. Yep. So you knew you were personally having an impact and helping your coworkers have an impact. But you thought... There's got to be a way to do more. Yes, there has to be a way to do more. And we had a little snack spot in um, in our cafe, and it was okay snacks, but nobody really wanted to purchase those. And I was like, how can I do better snacks? And then all of the money is just going to go to communities and schools, and none, nothing's going to Tower Pinkster, nothing's going to an outside firm. So how can I make that happen? And then, so that's how the Swan Snack Emporium came about. Oh, is that what it's called? Swan <laughs> Snack Emporium. I Although, love that. I do like that you call it the Snack Shack, so I might have to <laughs> rebrand. I did refer to it as the Snack Shack. You know, the, I love that name, though, the Snack Emporium. So um, so you went to Kerry, I would assume, mm-hmm. and sat down and said, hey, I've got an idea, the snack bar thing, mm-hmm. like we got this food there. Mm-hmm. It's People don't really eat it. They don't really like it that much. I think that our employees would like it if we got some different things. And I got a plan. And she probably worried that this was going to take half of your day job no, away to do it. No, I don't do- anybody no? really worried Did about she- it. No. Um, Carrie says no. She didn't worry about that at all. No, it takes a couple minutes every day to make sure that the snacks are up there. But other than that, but you go out, out buy them, yeah. you go out and buy them every yep. week and supply. And so yep. pr- obviously a lot of trial and error probably to figure out what people wanted or they tell oh, you yeah. right away, Jen, here's my list. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should ask that because they do, they do tell me what they want. And there's quite a few over there that try to pretend that they're healthy, but they're not healthy. Um, so they ask for the healthy snacks like, oh, I want kind bars or can we get dried fruit or can we, you know. Sure. No, they don't buy any of that stuff when you put it out there. They want Pop-Tarts and chips and candy bars. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So the response from the employees yes. was overwhelming, it sounds like. It is. It is overwhelming. I think just about everybody over there buys snacks. Um, I run through chips at lunchtime like it's gangbusters over there. Yeah, I make so so much extra money for Isn't that going great? out to purchase stuff for communities and schools. Yeah, and when you say extra, like how big of an increase do you think that it is over what you were contributing just yourself and from others, just sort of chipping in the hat? You it know? is probably triple. Oh, is that triple awesome? What I was doing before. Yeah, that is awesome. That was Sherry Welsh sharing insights from four of her recent guests on how to craft and maintain a company culture that attracts and retains great employees. Thank you for listening to The Welsh Wire. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. For more information, visit welshandassociates.net.